It is time for a new episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. It's almost Memphis Grizzlies basketball time as well. Training camps are rapidly approaching, and that means actual on-the-court items for discussion. Can you believe it? I've got three themes on my mind as Memphis braces for the return of Grizzlies mania. Let's lock in. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Grizzlies your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. I am Joe Mullinax, former site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues, there for almost a decade, five years as the site manager. I've been following this team a long time, and this time of year always gets me fired up. So very excited to be thinking Memphis Grizzlies basketball game, because let's be real. Football's fun. The baseball playoffs are approaching. But for us hoop heads, there's not much more to be excited about than the start of NBA season. And the early, late fall, mid winter uh, months when all of those main sports are really up and running, that's the prime time for sports fans. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And obviously the Memphis Grizzlies are the team that we're most excited for with NBA basketball returning. Everybody wants to see the team in action, right? Everybody's kind of looking forward to mid-October, almost a month from now, if not exactly a month from now, actually, when the Grizzlies are back on the floor playing meaningful basketball games. But me, I'm a fan of the journey. I'm a fan of the overall arcing adventure that is any sports season, regardless of level of play. Obviously, the Memphis Grizzlies are at the highest level you can possibly be at in the National Basketball Association. But sports are about the journey. For me and the story. So there are things from media day coming up in the next several days to practices, open scrimmages, obviously the preseason games, everything in between. There are items that we can keep an eye out on as the season approaches. And there are three things in particular on my mind entering this week where Memphis Grizzlies basketball officially returns health, number one, being the prime focus of this Grizzlies franchise coming into media day and beyond. And I'm not even necessarily just talking about Jaron Jackson Jr., whose knee issue is going to be the main point of conversation throughout this early part of the season. When does he return? What does he look like when he returns? How has his game developed? If it's developed at all, what has he been physically capable of doing as he's rehabbed that foot? He's a six foot 11, almost seven foot big man. Foot injuries can get tricky. We haven't gotten a ton of updates, but that should be coming up on the horizon. Thanks in part to training camp and media day. And obviously our DeMichael Cole, not with me on this episode of the show. Uh, He's been getting ready for the start of the season with the uh, commercial appeal there in Memphis, the beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies. He'll be joining me again here soon. And when he comes back, we've got plenty to talk about. He's going to be our boots on the ground following the team here, there, and everywhere. I'm very excited to get back with DeMichael. I'm sure that's one of the things he'll be asking about at Media Day. He and his uh, compatriots hanging out there at FedEx Forum, whether it is Zach Kleiman, Taylor Jenkins, whoever is being talked to, one of the main topics is going to be Jaron Jackson Jr.'s knee, or uh, foot, excuse me. But it's not just Jaron Jackson Jr.'s foot. It is Danny Green's knee. It is John Morant's knee. And again, John Morant's knee should be fine. Uh, There's no evidence to suggest that what happened in the Golden State Series is a long-term issue, something that can creep up and happen again. But 
John Morant, 6'3", 185-pound guard. Can his body sustain the way that he plays? We'll talk more about that here in a little bit. But you you really need to see how Jaw is feeling, knowing what burden he's going to have to carry with Jaron out. An update on Danny Green would be very helpful. Is Danny Green actually going to be an eventual rotation player? This is a team that got younger this past offseason. They could use some veteran leadership, some veteran presence, and Danny Green, in theory, provides that. So can he be a contributor to this team, or is he going to be an expiring contract eventually that is gone, used for a trade chip? He's just hanging out to be you know, emotional support on the sideline. He seems happy, and he's getting paid regardless, so I don't know. Obviously, there's only a, it's a partial guarantee, but I think it's $6 million or so that he is guaranteed on that deal. So even if he's waived, he's making some cash. So he, he's in a good spot. There's worse places to spend time than Memphis, Tennessee, safe to say. I'm a big fan of Memphis. Maybe I'm a bit biased in that way, but it's a great city. So Danny Green, regardless of what his role is going to be, is going to be okay. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of what his role is going to be in terms of production for the roster and how you fill those voids. Danny Green, in theory, if he were a player, would be active, or a healthy player, I should say, would be active, likely in the rotation, but he's not going to be in that spot. Jaron Jackson Jr. almost certainly will not be in in that spot. You've moved on from DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson, which we'll talk more about here momentarily. So what does that look like in terms of the rotation? Who fills those voids? And how does that lend itself to helping continue to cultivate a healthy area of development? Because that's been one of the strengths of the Kleiman regime, Zach Kleiman and company there in Memphis, the Grizzlies GM, Taylor Jenkins. They have done a phenomenal job developing the talent they have. And yet we are looking at a roster that no longer has key veteran contributors like Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton. You can write off what they did in the postseason all you want, but they were important in the regular season. They were vital to what this team did well, especially in terms of defense and transition offensive opportunities. So how do you fill those voids in terms of the health of the developmental program? How much leash will these Grizzlies rookies get? David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, up and down the list. How much does Kennedy Chandler play, if at all? There is so much to wonder about in terms of how that back end of the rotation fills out. Because sure, John Moran, eventually Jaron Jackson Jr., Stephen Adams, Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, Tyus Jones, Zaire Williams, Brandon Clark. You could argue those are your eight most important players, but what fills the void beyond that? And again, this Grizzlies team has not been the greatest picture of health throughout the last three years, and that trend continues starting year four of the Jenkins and Kleiman and Morant era. How they respond to that with regard to health and the health of the culture. That that is underplayed. And I'm not saying that there's a bunch of frustrated guys in Memphis because I don't know that that's the truth. That wouldn't be a fair point to make. I am just stating the obvious, that Dylan Brooks missed media. I believe he was one of the only ones uh, to miss media at the end of the season. Dylan Brooks can be frustrating at times, not just for the fan base, but I think in terms of his style of play, you can see that Taylor Jenkins, the Grizzlies head coach, would like for Dylan to be more active in his sharing of the basketball. And there's some evidence of growth on that end, but it's not complete. And Dylan Brooks at this stage is probably what Dylan Brooks is going to be as a basketball player. So whatever that drama 
is loosely uh, air quoted that that bears watching for the health of this Grizzlies culture. Can it sustain even the slightest bit of turmoil? Because again, your three leaders are all between the ages of 21 and or 22 and 24 at this stage, your three best players, how, what has been built can weather the storm if it comes and when it comes adversity comes for all of us and it comes for every basketball team and football team and baseball team regardless of the sport things aren't always going to go your way what do you do when you get punched in the mouth to this point the grizzlies have answered the count of 10 they've gotten up and they've swung back to their credit continuing that process especially now that kyle anderson and deanthony melton are no longer on the roster this is one of the first examples of guys that were in the program longer. DeAnthony Melton, long-term guy, signed an extension with the Grizzlies. Kyle Anderson did not sign an extension with the Grizzlies, was the one of the remaining remnants of the previous regime. So Anderson being gone, maybe not as surprising, but Melton was friends with Morant. Melton, again, along with Kyle, they were key contributors to the defensive system that was in place, their length, the way they could, could create deflections and steals and blocks, the stocks that everyone likes to combine. They were vital to that. And the Grizzlies offense was not that elite, especially when Morant was out. In terms of creating off the dribble for themselves, they needed those transition opportunities. So will the offense evolve? Perhaps. But I do think that it's important to not lose sight of the cost of losing guys that were important contributors to the health of the roster in the past. That cost is going to show itself in one way or another. How it does is going to be fascinating to watch unfold as the season gets underway. Speaking of costs, do you know how much your subscriptions really cost per month, per week, whatever your daily or monthly or yearly rates are? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is actually closer to more than $200. That's right. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even know about. There's this app that I love that takes care of that for me. It is called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows all your subscriptions in one place and cancels what you don't want for you. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you didn't know you were paying for. You might even find out that you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Cancel unnecessary subscriptions with Rocket Money today. Go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on. Seriously, it could save you hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on. The second key theme is growth. Growth. Not just literal growth for the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, that could still be a thing, right? We, we joke every year, how much taller has Jaron Jackson Jr. gotten? He's grown several inches since he was drafted by the Memphis Grizzlies way back in 2018. Has he gotten any bigger in that way? Has he put on muscle mass? That will be interesting to see because you can still lift weights. You can still get buff uh, nursing a foot injury. But, you know, Zaire Williams is another one. He was a very thin player coming out of Stanford. They had him on a weight gain diet, the giant bottle of water that we all remember seeing him drinking from, from the sidelines that he had to down every day. Has he been successful in his program over the summer to gain weight? So the literal aspect, there's some things to keep an eye on. 
but more so in terms of figurative growth is what I'm most fascinated to kind of see play out. The first and biggest example that we've heard rumblings about already is John Morant's mid-range game. John Morant is the best in the NBA pound for pound at getting to the basket and finishing at the rim. Undisputed. There are other guys that are really strong at it, that do well with it, but in terms of combining size with handle and athleticism, there is no other player that can do what John Morant does. We've also seen him improve his three-point shooting to the point that you have to at least respect him as a threat from that range, perhaps even more so than Jaron Jackson Jr., who has a bit more of a reputation as a big that can convert those threes. Ja is more consistent at the stage than Jaron is from beyond the arc. It's that mid-range game. What is he able to do to create off the dribble? That next level of scoring to make him a true three-level scorer. That is going to be really interesting to watch unfold. I don't expect him to become Chris Paul. I don't expect him to become this guy that can be a marksman that rarely misses, or even, you know, Bino Udra, uh, Beno Udra from Memphis Grizzlies lore. Whenever that dude shot a mid-range jumper, I thought it was going in every single time. He doesn't even have to be that. But just again, like his three-point shot, the threat of it, the idea that it could potentially be something that has to be stopped. It makes him all the more dangerous. It makes defenses that much more handcuffed to the idea of Jaws going to get his. Maybe they're already there. Maybe Morant is already that dude. But to me, seeing how he continues to evolve and grow as a scorer, not just at the rim, not just from beyond the arc, but in the mid-range, as that kind of makes a comeback, teams are starting to poke around in that space again. It's not just the rim and the three uh, in this analytic age. Uh, if you're able to effectively make a wide open shot, then that's pretty stout in terms of basketball play, regardless of what the analytics might say. And in fairness, analytics don't say mid-range jumpers are bad. That's the topic for another episode. Maybe DeMichael uh, can chime in on that as well. But anyway, I want to see Jaw develop that mid-range game a little bit farther within the paint itself, more consistency on that floater, and then even on pull-up jumpers off of his, uh, his drives to the basket. Desmond Bain, what he does in his leap as a third-year player. John Morant was named most improved player this past season. Desmond Bain, a lot of folks thought he should have gotten it for the Memphis Grizzlies, including John Morant. He gave the trophy to Bain himself, uh, at least on video he did. Uh, what Desmond Bain can do as a scorer? Has he hit his peak? Is he like a Malcolm Brogdon? Cool story, really solid player, not that all-star guy? Or can Bain be that all-star guy? Can he take a Clay Thompson-esque step? Not necessarily the same as Thompson, because Thompson's a Hall of Famer, but in the same ballpark, in the same parking lot. Can he be a true number two scorer that teams are going to have to understand is capable of getting 22 points per game next to John Morant's 29? That makes Memphis so much more lethal on the offensive end. And it makes them so much more capable of replicating and recreating what they're losing in terms of the transition defense opportunities that we mentioned early in the show. If Desmond Bain can come in and be that constructive scorer, increasing in usage, maintaining his percentages, 
be that true number two and even allow Jaron to settle when he's 100% healthy into a number three offensive weapon option. Not only is it going to be huge for Desmond Bain, it's going to be massive for John Morant. It's going to be key for Morant if Bain can keep his ascent as a ball handler going and give Jaw some breathers, creating off of cuts and slashes to the rim where he doesn't have the ball in his hands. It's going to make things much more difficult for defenses to game plan. A growing, developing Desmond Bain is something that's really going to bear watching for me, not just because I love Desmond Bain. I do. But can he be that guy who, as his usage increases, as his role increases, has he reached his ceiling or do we need to give him more credit for his floor and how there's still a gap between the ceiling and the floor in terms of his game? That's going to be fun to watch unfold. And then the evolution of Taylor Jenkins as a head basketball coach. Again, I've mentioned a couple of times, people like to discredit what DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson brought to the table. And maybe in the postseason, that's fair. It's not fair in the regular season. It's not fair at all. I don't get it from a regular season perspective. That tells me you didn't watch the games, at least not the same games I did. Because the games that I watched, I saw a team that thrived in transition. And the two best transition defenders on this team, on the perimeter especially, were DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson in terms of their ability to create, deflect, and give lanes of opportunity for John Morant, Brandon Clark, anybody that could run up and down the floor benefited directly from those two dudes being in the fold. And Taylor Jenkins benefited from those guys being in the fold. In the absence of a a consistent half-court offense, I think the Grizzlies were 17th or 18th in half-court offense efficiency, maybe even a little bit worse than that. You're below average. You have to make up those points somewhere in this league. And they did so through transition opportunity. And Taylor Jenkins gets all the credit for that, and he should. Because that's extremely valuable to be able to read your roster and say, this is how we're going to win. However, when those two pieces are gone, maybe you want to modernize your offense. Maybe you're looking to the eventual postseason that even with the changes that the Grizzlies have gone under, they should be in the postseason. So maybe your eyes are there. And you're wondering, how do we evolve our offense to be more effective in the half court, to have better chances for extended stays in the playoffs? Bravo. That's fantastic. That's exactly what you should be doing. But you didn't add any talent that is a veteran presence, aside from Danny Green. Is is Jake LaRavia going to be that guy? Maybe. I believe in LaRavia. I think he has an offensive skill set that makes a ton of sense on this roster, especially as a shooter. But he's a rookie. He's a rookie, and they are testing the fates. They're having a heat check. They're saying that John Conchar, who, shout out to Fast Break Breakfast, Keith from Fast Break Breakfast pointed out, a lot of what Conchar did in terms of his percentages, which are better than Melton's, they were very carefully crafted and cultivated. He was put in tremendous opportunities with a lower usage rate offensively than Steven Adams. I didn't even know that was possible. You are taking a heat check saying that Conchar and guys like that and these rookies are going to be able to replicate offensively what these other guys were able to do defensively in terms of getting you extra possessions. Conchar is an excellent rebounder. LaRavia and Roddy, numbers say that they can, in the aggregate, bring similar things to what Melton and Anderson provided. I need to see it, and I need to see how Taylor Jenkins 
implements it. Doesn't mean it's not possible. Just means it needs to be seen. And you start seeing that with training camp. When we come back, the third and final theme for this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies, don't go anywhere. The third theme is expectation when it comes to these Memphis Grizzlies entering training camp. Teams are going to say what they're supposed to say, right? We're just here to get better. We expect to have a lot of success. The sky's the limit for our potential up and down the roster. You're going to hear these guys say similar things. How that comes to fruition will really be telling, especially early on. Because Taylor Jenkins might have an idea of what he wants to try to do to replicate what Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Milton brought to the table to replace, at least in the short term, but maybe for longer, what Jaron Jackson Jr. does for this team. Seeing it in action, the beginnings of implementing those theories and processes, that's really going to be fun to see. Because historically speaking, with the Grizzlies being the recent exception, usually when you get younger, usually when you play a lot of young guys, it doesn't mean less thoughts of winning championships, which the Grizzlies, as the number two seed in the Western Conference last year, logic would suggest that they're going to be in that mix. You would think maybe they won't be. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they think they will and they'll continue to buck the trend. And in fairness to them, they have been to the exception to the rule. Case in point with all of this in terms of expectations and the evolution of those. The starter at the four is going to be truly fascinating to watch play out. Anthony Sane, uh, this is weird to say, of Grizzly Bear Blues, uh, wrote an article recently, my, my, my old stomping grounds, Sane writes over there now, and he talked about Dylan Brooks being the starting four, maybe having Zaire Williams be the three and Dylan Brooks start at the four. Dylan did defend Carl Anthony Towns admirably in that Minnesota Timberwolves series this past spring. There's some logic to that. Dylan is a bigger wing. He is more of a combo forward than Zaire Williams is. Zaire is a 2-3. If you're going to say he's a combo anything, he's a combo perimeter guy. Dylan Brooks has a thicker frame. He has the physical and mental capacity to handle that assignment. So while my counter would be who's going to rebound, you're, you're asking a lot of Steven Adams in that scenario. There's logic there. And it's intriguing, and it's something that would make sense to try. Same thing with putting Brandon Clark in there. That's probably the easiest thing, right? And Occam's Razor tells us the easiest thing is probably going to be the thing that happens. Xavier Tillman, clearly still a darling to an extent of Taylor Jenkins and that staff for what he can do defensively. Not much of an offensive threat. Maybe you can't have another liability offensively like Adams is in terms of not being able to score the basketball, especially from range. But there's options. And all three of those guys have played basketball and played winning basketball for this Memphis Grizzlies organization. So making a choice along those lines suggests that we're still thinking that we can compete with this team. And of course they can. They should be able to. However, if they trot out David Roddy on night one, a guy who has a great frame, again, physicality-wise, he could do it. But he was playing at Colorado State. That's a little bit different than lining up against Julius Randle of the NBA on opening night. Same thing with Jake LaRavia. Sweet shot. He didn't perform very well in summer league, but 
Summer League doesn't matter. I watched Josh Selby look like the second coming. Allen Iverson. Wow, look at who Memphis stumbled into. You can't take Summer League that seriously. I'm looking at the technique of a shot, and I see that he can be exactly what they need him to be in that half-court offense. But he's a rookie. And usually when you get younger, you are purposely saying we are focused on development. And usually when you're focused on development, you're not able to take from both sides. You can't say we're focused on the future and be an NBA Finals contender in the present. Usually. The Oklahoma City Thunder have done it in the past. Other teams like them have done it in the past. And most recently, obviously not the NBA Finals. But in terms of being a really good competitive team, the Memphis Grizzlies have done it. So they deserve the benefit of the doubt for that. They do. When do they make the decision to become a true contender? When does that happen? Unlikely it happens this year. Unlikely it happens especially before the trade deadline, before you see what you've got in Jaron Jackson Jr. Maybe you have more of a firm deadline or timeline of what's coming for Danny Green. That doesn't mean that they're not trying to win. They are, and they're going to win. We'll talk about this as the season approaches. I see the Grizzlies falling no lower than sixth. If they're in the play-in, I'll be pretty surprised, obviously, give or take a game. But I'll also be just as surprised if they're the two seed again. Not because Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton are gone, but because they didn't upgrade the roster beyond that. They had opportunity and free agency via trade. Options were there. They made the choice not to do it. And you can say they were right because they are set up nicely to be able to keep John Morant. Jaron Jackson Jr., and Desmond Bain as long as they want to without having to worry about being a massive taxpayer in terms of the luxury tax. In a market like Memphis, Tennessee, that matters tremendously, and they should be commended for that. Grizzlies fans do not have to worry about any of those dudes having to be shipped out because of money. Now, to credit to the way that they've built this roster, and you need a strong core of guys to be successful in the NBA. The Grizzlies have that core. But like Golden State and other teams before them, to take that jump to championship status, usually it takes bringing in another guy, a fourth man in this case, that can bear some of that core burden, even if it's just for a little bit. Now may not be the time for that. But what are the expectations of this team not just communicated in terms of what they say, but what their actions do. That is going to be wonderful to see start playing out as training camp opens. Thanks again for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen every day. Tomorrow's show will feature myself and DeMichael Cole getting back together. That's going to be awesome, right? Me and DeMichael getting the flow going of our season previews, kind of getting a vibe for how he's looking at things as he approaches a full season back on the beat. With the Grizzlies, is COVID obviously still a thing? But it, more and more stuff starting to get back to normal. I'm sure DeMichael is excited to get back on the road and cover this team and get to know them uh, through that process. So I'm excited to be in this journey with DeMichael, and we'll have him back here soon. Thanks again for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen, but now you should go and make the NBA Top 50 on Locked On NBA your second listen. Maybe you'll see a familiar face or two. 
throughout the uh, series that they're uh, debuting. Which NBA player moves the betting line the most this coming season? Locked on and the bet online odds makers present the NBA top 50 most valuable players. Find it on Locked On NBA, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We're going to keep coming with new, clean, solid shows here on Lockdown Grizzlies. Thanks for making us a part of your day. It's appreciated. I'm Joe Molinax. Until next time, keep staying locked on, Grizzlies fans.